how you handle yourself and how you handle your company over the next six or seven weeks is going to have a huge impact on your success over the next six or seven years. From Reminder Media, this is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Hosted by the VP of Marketing, Josh Stake, and Reminder Media's president, Luke Akery. So get ready to hear the golden nuggets that will allow you to live a life of freedom tomorrow, but only if you take action today. Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. Luke, how are we doing today? Dude, I'm doing well. I was just telling Ariel, the producer, that it's so weird. I saw my wife coming in this morning that it's like, you know, the company hasn't changed. We still have just as big of a company. We still have employees. We still have all these things. But because no one's in the office, it literally feels like every day is kind of like a weekend, as weird as that seems. It's like when I used to come in on Saturdays, it'd be no one here. You could focus, get all this work done. <laughs> Now there's no one here ever. ever. It's like, I'm getting a lot done, but it is crazy. It's going to be interesting. I, I really mean this. It's going to be interesting to see the, the morale effects of people working from home and the mental kind of effects of people like being separated and all that and how that will play into productivity. Right now, we've seen actually a peak in productivity from our sales team, believe it or not. Well, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, whatever you measure grows. And so the being forced to go work from home has just made everybody start measuring everything. And that's so great. ultimately that's, that's where a lot of that I think is coming from is the KPIs expectations have, have increased. You know, it's the only way you can, um, you know, know what's going on now is to make sure you're tracking everything, how many dials, how many, how much phone time conversations, all that stuff. So it's actually leading us to where we should be anyways, but. Well, we're going to jump right into this all-star interview today. We're so excited to have this guest on because you've probably heard of him. I mean, his name is Jay Bear. He's all over the place. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's written six books. He's a powerhouse keynote speaker, a consultant to more than 700 companies over the last 20 plus years. He's the founder of Convince and Convert, which is a digital strategy consulting firm, helps uh, prominent companies gain and keep more customers. And he's the host of three podcasts, Popular Social Pros Podcast, the Talk Triggers Video Show, and the Standing Ovation Podcast. Jay, welcome. Josh, Luke, thank you so much for having me. I am glad that you are staying paid. And he's got a radio I, voice. I am staying paid and also staying home. Uh, is, uh, <laughs> I, I miss, you know, I, try, I was on the road 200 days last year. Uh, wow. and, and I miss the TSA guys. I really do. I know it's kind of like weird to admit that, but... Uh, uh, I, I miss I miss the airport. I miss the airport restaurants. I miss uh, I, I miss all of it. But uh, you <laughs> so know. you're one of those psychos that enjoys that. I, I did. What did I, what were we we were doing? Maybe what twenty shows last year, Josh? And I thought I was going to die. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm on the road. Where it's like I can't do this. <laughs> I don't know if I would say, Luke, that I enjoy it. It's just more. <laughs> it's been my reality for the last ten years. You know that kind of travel. Uh, for conferences and speaking and stuff. And so it's, you just sort of get accustomed to it. So for me, uh, it kind of feels like Groundhog Day now that, that every day I sit in this same damn chair and <laughs> use this same damn Zoom and have the same conversations with clients. Uh, I'm so not used to having a routine like that, that it, uh, it's freaking me out. But, uh, but we're doing good and the team's together, like your team's together. And um, we were virtual from the, we've always been virtual. So okay. from that perspective, from that perspective, it's actually easier. We've got people all over the country. And so we, 
you know, that, that wasn't a big shift for us. But what is difficult and probably the same for some of your crew, right, is now our team's got little kids running around, right? Because, you know, they're not at school. And, and so like our head of sales always says, yes, I'm the head of sales, but I'm also the vice principal and the PE teacher at my kid's school right now because <laughs> they're right here in the next room. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a little challenging sometimes. It was funny. I was on, we have a, an IT stand-up where we're prioritizing tickets and we had a dog barking in the background of the IT standup today. And at one point, I think there was a kid I heard in the IT standup. I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's a new reality. No, man, we're staying right there with you. It's everything's going virtual. Everybody's having to adjust. You know, I want to get into, you know, this book that you wrote, Utility, because yeah. you obviously one of the reasons you travel around so much is you have this best selling book and you have many, and you have many great keynotes, but you've come up with this concept of utility and would love for you to share kind of with us, you know, what led you to writing this book called Utility that ended up being a bestseller? What is this concept of utility? And then specifically, you know, it's been some years since you've kind of crafted this. Mm -hmm. How is it adjusted into today's age with the changing in the tools and the mediums with, uh, you know, social media and all that's going on there? It's funny, the, the idea of utility, which is essentially the golden rule, but for information, is more valid, current, and powerful today than it was when I wrote the book uh, a few years ago. Mm. The idea of utility is that if you know something, instead of holding that close to your chest and making people pay you to know that thing, you essentially give away all the things that you know one bite at a time, as, as you guys do here on the show. See, one of the things that is true in business is that people are scared to give up what they call the secret sauce. But I am a internet pioneer. I've been doing this since 1993. I've been doing it so long, guys, it's a true story. When I started in this business, uh, domain names were free. Hmm. You could get whatever domain name you wanted and pay nothing for it because nobody wanted a website. There was no point to having a website. Nobody was on the internet. And in 1993, my partners and I, and my first digital marketing firm, sold the domain name Budweiser.com to Anheuser-Busch Brewing for 50 cases of beer. No way. That is 100% true. Um, hey, man, that's, I, that sounds good. 50 cases. That's awesome, I, was 20, I was 23 at that point. So 50 cases of beer <laughs> showed up in your office. You're like, yes winning. Um, so it's been, a, it's been a long time, but one thing that has never changed is that when people know something, they're scared to give it away, right? Because they feel like they've got a secret sauce. And what I've discovered is that nobody has a secret sauce, right? Your sauce ain't secret. And people, people can figure out your methodology. If they can't, they'll hire somebody who used to work for you and now they know it. Your competition is probably doing almost the exact same thing that you're doing. And, and so you're much better off actually taking all the things that you know and giving it away, right? So that's, that's being helpful, right? Helping beats selling, but most people don't do it because they're afraid and they don't trust that customers will reward them eventually. But one thing that really matters today in this post-pandemic era is, is trust, right? And, and, and whoever is the most helpful will get the business. And that's more true now than it was uh, two or three months ago. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. No, that's awesome. There's, I know that you wrote um, a lot of our audiences in the real estate field uh, and you wrote one specifically for- I did, so Utility for Real Estate, yep, yep. So I guess walk through the process of like, what's the process for creating utility? What's the process for finding out like and identifying how you can be 
I think you call like the most useful mm-hmm. real or blank professional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of it is, is understanding what is it that your audience actually needs. And, and we tend to get a little bit confused about that. It seems like a very simple question, doesn't it? What do they need that I have? <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's, it's what do they need? What, what do they need that I can connect them to whether I have yeah. it or not? Yeah. So, and, and sometimes we, we, we think about exactly what you said, Josh. What, what do they need that I have? And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Um, nobody in the history of the world has ever needed socks. But if you were in the sock business, you're like, man, you know what everybody needs is some socks. <laughs> However, everybody in the world has needed their feet to be warmer. That's the need. The need is my feet are cold. The need is not socks. Socks mm-hmm. are, are, are one of the ways that you could solve that problem. And so you've got to drill down a little bit deeper into customer needs and say, what's the core of their actual pain point, their actual problem? And we tend to kind of skip a couple steps and then connect the dots between kind of sort of what they need and exactly what we sell to your point, Josh. And so that's the first thing is to not do that, right? Is to, is to, focus um, a little more acutely on the core need. And I'll give an example from real estate, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. on how utility works. Once you understand what it is that people need, then you say, okay, if this is what they need, how can I fulfill that without necessarily having to be paid to do it directly? See, the whole idea of utility is sideways marketing is attracting attention and goodwill and trust and a reputation that ultimately pays off in client acquisition. Not immediately, but ultimately. And the reason most people don't do utilities is because they don't have enough patience, right? They, yeah. they expect that everything they do in sales and marketing will yield a client tonight. Right? Mm. It's, not, it's not how the world works. So there is uh, a, a realtor, I talked about him in the book, Utility for Real Estate, um, Joe Manusa. He operates out of Tallahassee, Florida. Now, Joe's an interesting uh, agent because he only represents sellers. You want to buy a house? Doesn't do that. Only does sells. Also, at the time I wrote the book, he only repped sellers between about $200,000 and $400,000 in that price range. You had a giant Florida McMansion, not your guy. You got a trailer, not your guy. You know, low mid-market sweet spot for him, right? So in and of itself, he's different than most agents because he has an idea of his target market, right? He's specific, best practice. But he's incredible at utility. He's like, look, I'm just going to help. And if I help, eventually it will come back to me in spades. Here's how he does it. If you are in the $200,000 to $400,000 category as a seller, it is true in most markets, your mileage may vary, but typically it is true that you may not have a tremendous amount of upside equity in that property, yes? Mm. Consequently, what a lot of sellers do at that price point is they say, sure, I could work with an agent or maybe, just maybe, I could sell this home myself. And so you get all these FISBO folks thinking, you know what, man, I wouldn't have to pay 6%. I just got to get a sign. Maybe I put a little ad, maybe I do myself a little Zillow or whatever. And man, I just made six points on this deal. Yeah. Very common psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe understands this. Instead of doing what 99.5% of agents do, which is build a website that says, 
again, the, the, the words may be ordered differently, but the message on most agent sites says this, behold the awesome power of my expertise. I have been doing this for decades. I know things that you, the homeowner, could never know. The one thing you should not do is try this yourself. Mm. That's what the site says, right? Yeah. You know, again, the, the words are in a different sequence, but that's pretty much the point. Joe, exact opposite. He sat down and wrote a 63-page downloadable PDF on his website for free called How to Sell a Home on Your Own in Florida. Step-by-step, step, exactly what to do. Here's the docs. Here's who to call. Here's the process. So I interviewed him for the book and I said, Joe, why? I don't understand this because it seems to me like you are giving people everything they need to not hire you. Mm -hmm. And he said, Jay, I understand why you think that. But the other thing you don't understand is that people get to about page 13. And they say, holy shit, is it hard to mm. sell a house on your own? What was I thinking? That was crazy. I don't want to do that. Call Joe. It's his number one source of customers. That's so good. Number one source, right? And, and my question is, why doesn't everybody in the world do this, right? It is so good, Luke. It's like a no-brainer. What people tell, tell me when I, when I speak to groups of uh, real estate agents is, well, sure, but then a lot of people are, are going to read the book and maybe they will sell it on their own. To which I say, good, good. Because let me tell you a lesson I've learned in my long career that's now 30 years in this business. If somebody is genuinely trying to make a decision between downloading resources on the internet and doing it themselves, or hiring you as a professional, if they're literally weighing those options, trust me when I tell you, that is not a customer you want. They will be a colossal pain in the ass and you will not make money. If they think yeah, they'll control watching, the YouTube, the watching YouTube videos yeah. is a legitimate replacement for what you know, you don't want them as a client. Give them the information and send them on their way. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, a list of ingredients does not make somebody a chef. Mm. So don't be, don't be afraid to give people lists of ingredients. That's why when I talk about secret sauce, that's the challenge, right? Every realtor could probably write an ebook about how to sell a house on your own, but they don't want to because they're afraid of giving away the secrets. No, do the opposite. Jiu-jitsu, man. Give away everything you know one bite at a time. That's the utility way. What an incredible way to build trust. Like the reverse psychology way. <laughs> now they trust you because you're not trying to sell them anything. You've literally given them all the ingredients. And then what do people want the most? They want their time. They yeah. want it easy. And so they're going to come to you not because they can't do it themselves, but because they want it easy. And Absolutely. that I've seen more and more in today's world is like it's the easy button, and, you know, the Staples easy button. That's what you have to provide for all of your clients. So I guess you know, walk through, so this whole idea of providing the value, I get people don't want to do it because it's like you said, they're so focused on instant gratification. They, they don't realize that you got to play the long-term game. How are you, because you have this incredible podcast now that's way up on the marketing charts on social media and, you know, using social media today. How does this tool of social media, how could agents be using this to basically fulfill this framework of utility? Yeah, um, the Social Pros podcast is 
We're almost at episode 500. Uh, we've been doing it every single week since 2012. And each week we interview somebody, typically from like a major brand, about how they do social. So we had the head of social for Wells Fargo on last week. Next week is Chipotle. Um, so we have big brands and we talked to their, their global director of social or what have you and, and talk about what they're doing. It's a really fun show for people who are way into social media. Um, this is the best time ever, maybe, maybe ever, ever uh, to use utility in your social because in this kind of weird post-pandemic, mid-pandemic craziness, people don't want to consume a lot of social media content that is an overt sales pitch, mm. right? It just feels tonally off. Um, and some businesses can't really sell in the classic sense right now anyway. And so this is the perfect time to, to be helpful, be useful, to shine the spotlight on, on real people and real solutions. I'll give you an example um, of utility. There is a distillery here in my town in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, it's called Cardinal Spirits, owned by a couple of friends of mine. And like a lot of distilleries, uh, when the pandemic hit, they shifted their production line to uh, create hand sanitizer. You've probably heard of businesses doing that. And so they're making like crazy volumes of hand sanitizer and giving it away to the hospital and the sheriff's department and blah, 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 blah. Well, they're still making booze a little bit on the side. And what they do is every single morning, they create an Instagram post that says, here's what we're doing today. Here's the hand sanitizer project. Da, da, da. And then they say, here's exactly what we need to sell today uh, to keep this operation rolling. Because obviously they're, they're dying in and, and bar is closed. So it's all takeout. We need to sell 20 bottles of booze, 13 cocktail kits, and 24 packs of canned cocktails or, or whatever. Every day they post the, today's formula. Then at the point during the day when they hit that threshold and they've hit it almost every single day, they put out a new post that says, Bloomington, we did it. Thanks for again helping us meet our goals. It's now 3.11 p.m. For the rest of the day, please take your money and support another local live business. Mm. Wow. That is great. That's awesome. Isn't that great? And look, here's the thing. I really believe this, and this is why utility is so important right now. How you handle yourself and how you handle your company over the next six or seven weeks is going to have a huge impact on your success over the next six or seven years. I really mm. believe that because brands are built in bad times, not good times. Mm. People typically don't invest in brand in good times because everybody makes money, whether you're good or not. Right. In the kind of economy we came out of, even if you're mediocre, you're rich or at least doing well. So the, you, you tend to let your brand atrophy because it's too easy when times are bad is when branding matters. When you say, I'm going to give Cardinal Spirits all my money because of what they're doing for the community. I'm going to give Joe all my money because he's helping people sell homes on their own, right? We, we all can, can look into ourselves and say, set the money part aside and what can we do to help other people? And then you use social to spotlight that, not in a cheesy way, but just in a factual way. And you start to build sort of brand bonds that will lift your business up um, forever if you do it right. No, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you even had a webinar recently that went over like 11, 11 things yeah. people should be doing on social media right now to change their messaging. How does that relate to a service-based sales professional? You know, we're talking about brands, we're talking about companies, what, what Cardinal is doing yeah. is amazing with just being open and honest and saying, here's what we need to hit to stay yeah. in business 
if you want us to stay in business, get this. And then they're shifting obviously to help the rest of the community. How can like the independent real estate agent, financial advisor, mm -hmm. insurance agent, what are some, maybe some tangible things that they yeah, can do? So, so I, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to, to use social to be like, Hey man, I'm still selling houses. Right. It just like, okay. Like I kind of assumed that, um, I would use social for two, two things. One, and we've been talking to a lot of clients about this on the consulting side of my business is you got to use social right now to redistribute your FAQs because all the things that everybody knew or thought they knew about all businesses, they don't know anymore. So one of my best friends is a realtor here in town and he's been using his social to describe how it works now when people come for an open house or a showing. Right. Okay. So here's the deal. They got to have the booties and the mask and this and that. And, and it's not, it's not about sales. It's just like, look, you should all know how this works now because everybody has the question. Right. Right. So you might as well just use some social to answer the questions that people have. Right. So social as frequently asked questions is sort of job one. Job two then would be to use your social to shine the spotlight on other people. And eventually that spotlight will come back around on you. So if I was in the real estate business, what I would do is kind of like what Cardinal does. Every day I would post on Facebook, which is probably the place that most agents are going to use. And, and I would say, I'm going to spotlight a different local business that is open that might be struggling and how you can support them. That's right? I'd be talking about like, like right here in our town, every day a different, we're not open for, for dine-in yet in Indiana, but every day or so a different local business kind of starts up again for carryout. I would use my Facebook page to announce every restaurant that starts back up and when they're starting back up. And I would also say my favorite thing on their menu is X and, and start that conversation that way, right? It's not about you. It's about everybody else but you. And if you approach it that way, eventually it will become about you. I love that. Man, that's so tangible. It's so good too, because ultimately, you know, it's that goodwill and that association that you get. And then at, on top of that, what I've seen with real estate agents too, is what an incredible bridge that you now have to other business owners in the community. And if you help and support them, I mean, these business owners, they're influencers, they have clientele, they have reach yep. and just partnering together is just an incredible way to be there for them. Now, I love what you said. Brands are built in the bad times. So Same thing with insurance agents, with financial professionals. I'm, I'm, I'm a keynote for the big um, agency nation Elevate um, yeah. insurance agent conference coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Thousands of agents there. Same kind of story, right? Here's how you use utility to, to break through and differentiate. Um, uh, you know, my, my uh, other best friends, a financial planner, money manager, same, same idea, same approach. Um, it, it's, it's the playbook that almost everybody in that kind of world can probably be utilizing at least, at least through the summer um, after that, we'll see. So you've just closed a deal. Congratulations, but don't break out the champagne just yet because this one sale could be the beginning of a long-term relationship that will help you attract new leads, close more deals, and bring in big returns for years to come. Our free guide, From Anonymous to Advocate, teaches you how to turn that new client into a lifelong spokesperson for your business. To get it now, go to ReminderMedia.com forward slash advocate.
That's from anonymous to advocate at remindermedia.com forward slash advocate. Take action on this today. So is that how you like, is that what led you on the gener- uh, or the journey to like uh, talk triggers and out of utility, it led you to this idea of this referral based and how do you get people to refer you and is utility, the you need utility in order to build the talk triggers. Like, can you walk us through a little bit of yeah, that? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so um, the, the three primary premises that I've had recently, utility was first and, and utility is about um, giving away what you know and, and being helpful and, and using helpfulness as a marketing strategy. The book after utility uh, is Hug Your Haters, which is about how to use customer service as a marketing strategy, how to be disproportionately good at, at service, at ratings and reviews, at dealing with customers who may be less than satisfied. How do you make that a competitive advantage? And then talk triggers is about how to use word of mouth and customer experience as a marketing tool, as a, as a competitive uh, advantage. So all three of them kind of fit together mm-hmm. as, a, as a system. Uh, and there's definitely some, some interplay between the books uh, and, uh, and the concepts. But it's, it's sort of like a, a, a foundational philosophy of giving away what you know, utility, being disproportionately good at customer service, and then being disproportionately good at customer experience. It's kind of thus the sort of triangle, if you will. Yeah, well, it's what you said. It's like um, I was reading kind of some stuff up on before we were doing this interview, and it's, you know, literally 19% of all these transactions come from word of mouth, but 90% of transactions are influenced. Absolutely, well, especially, especially in the services business. I mean, oh my gosh, no, nobody is, well, I shouldn't say nobody, in, unless you are moving to a place that you don't know anybody right? Um, which actually happened to me, but, but in most circumstances, you are, are living in a place and you're changing providers, you need a provider. So if you need a realtor, you need an insurance agent, you need a financial representative, you need any of those kind of, you need a lawyer, you need a dentist, you need an accountant, you need any of those things. Yeah, yeah, man, you might do a little Googling, right? You, you might look at Google reviews, you might look at Yelp, but you're going to ratify that with your neighbor or your friend or your confidant or your mom, right? So that's why the, the idea that, that, you know, word of mouth, especially for businesses that are local, regional, is so much more important than we give it credit for. It is one of the great mysteries of my professional career. And what's so weird about it, Luke, is, is every time I talk about this at conferences, like raise your hand. How many of you think word of mouth is important to your business? Every single hand goes up, all of them. Is that how many of you have a word of mouth strategy? Zero hands, zero percent, <laughs> right? Which is crazy. It is. Because we got a strategy for everything else, right? You got a sales strategy, you got a marketing strategy, you got a PR strategy, maybe, you probably have a hiring strategy, crisis strategy. Uh, you got a strategy for everything. You got a whole desk full of them. But the one thing you don't have is a word of mouth strategy. We just take it for granted. We just figure, here's the big mistake that people make, guys. We just figure that if we run a good business, people will notice that and talk about it. Mm. But that's not how people behave. Competency doesn't create conversations. Nobody tells a story about you doing exactly what they paid you to do. Mm. 
You know how many stories I've told about going over here in the corner and flicking the switch and the lights came on? Zero stories is the answer. I like to tell that's amazing. Because that's how lights work, right? Like if I hire you to sell my house and you sell it, there's no story there. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. Yeah. So a talk trigger, a talk trigger is a choice that you make in the operations of your business that is designed to create conversations, right? It's, it's something mm -hmm. that is, that gives the customers a story to tell and pass along that is more conversational and interesting and compelling than just, yep, they performed the service that they were paid to perform. So what's an example? Because like the tagline of our podcast is take action. So we want to give people something actionable yep. they can walk away from. Sure. What's an example of triggering that? Let me think of a good industry example. Um, okay, so there's a, a, an oral surgeon. Uh, his name is Glenn Gorab. And he is in Clifton, New Jersey, right across the water from New York City. There are approximately 450 oral surgeons in his actual trade area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. It's dense, right? A lot of people. Um, they all do the same thing, right? It's not like somebody's, it's not like LASIK, right? With eye surgeries or somebody has some new tech, it's oral surgery. So it's not like somebody's got like a tooth removing laser. They all do the exact same thing, right? Mm -hmm. And and they all do it for basically the same price. So there's no service advantage and there's no price advantage. So maybe it's you're closer to their house but even that's like, man, whatever, right? It's a tough business. Of all of those 450 surgeons, Glenn is the highest rated among them on all the sort of doctor review websites and stuff. Also, of all the guys who have been in business longer than 10 years, he is the only one, the only one who's never been sued. Wow. Now, I asked him about that. I said, why? And he said, well, look, I'm not the best surgeon. Like, I'm good for sure better than most. I'm not the best. In fact, I've had some surgeries with some unfortunate outcomes, but I've never been sued. And I'm the highest rated because of the trust that I build with my patients. And I build that trust in a way that creates a ton of word of mouth. Mm. It is both a utility and a talk trigger. Here's how it works. Every Friday, Glenn's office staff gives him a list of names and phone numbers. And on Saturday, he calls each of those people on his cell phone. He says, hi, this is Glenn. I'm your oral surgeon. And I understand that you're coming to the office for the very first time next week. Before you get here, do you have any questions that I could answer for you? That's now, smart. it's possible that many of the listeners to the show have had some kind of oral surgery procedure in their lives. Maybe a a wisdom tooth extraction or a root canal or crown or, you know, one of those kind of things. And if you have a good surgeon, they'll call you the night after. They'll say, hey, Josh, how you doing? Mm. How's, how's the pain? Are you bleeding to death? Those are the questions that they usually ask. <laughs> so that's nice. It's nice to get that call, but it's not talkable. It's not a conversation you're going to have with your friends because it's like, yeah, he called me and that seems like the right thing to do. Right. But you have never, ever, 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 I can promise you, had a physician call you before you ever set foot in the office. It's just simply not done. Mm -hmm. But it should be done because Glenn tells me, ironically, I just talked to him this morning. Glenn tells me that more than 75% of his patients mention his call when they get in the chair 
to him, thanks for calling me. And every single day, somebody phones up and says, I have to drive nine miles out of my way. I have to pass five other oral surgeons to get here. But I want you to be my doctor because you're the one who called my friend Shirley before she ever came to the office. Mm. Now, so powerful. That's how you take something not basic, but but not conversational like oral surgery and turn it into a story that you will tell all your friends. Mm. And the whole point of a talk trigger is turning your customers into volunteer marketers. And every business should do that. And every business can do that. You just got to figure out what is the thing that you're going to do that people don't expect and then do that every time. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's really, I've always explained it in my own life. It's like when the unexpected happens to you during the, in a good way, like during the, in a bad way, but in a good way, when they go above your expectations, that's what causes you to remember. And what's so interesting about that example you just gave is my experience going into doctor's offices for the first time or whatever it is, you sit in the waiting room, you're there half an hour later than they said you were going to be already mad at them. (laughs) You already have a negative thought in your mind about, and so that's why it's even that much more powerful that he calls you before. Yeah. Because uh, it just totally crushes the stereotype of what you're thinking. If I was a doctor in my waiting room all day, every day, mime. I'd have a mime in the waiting room doing mime stuff all day. <laughs> so great. Oh, man. People would talk about it. Every, every Yelp review would mention mime. A hundred percent. Differentiator, unique. Man, you're a beast, man. Hey, so I got to ask you, you know, knowing what you know now, Right. And you, you've been at this for a long time in marketing. And what would you go back and tell younger Jay? What advice would you give that, you know, high school age kid, that college age kid? Well, I would have started drinking tequila earlier, for sure. Um, <laughs> there's no question about that. Wait, so you could get better at it or so you could choose? I, I, would have started drinking good, I would have started drinking good tequila earlier, I okay. guess is the way I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know, what, you know what it is? Here's the answer is I would have... Um, I would have started my own business sooner. So um, you guys may or may not know this. I'm a seventh generation entrepreneur. My son's an eighth generation entrepreneur. That's incredible. And so in my, in my family, it, it wasn't really like a, we didn't even have a conversation. I, I never remember my dad saying to me, you should be an entrepreneur. Cause it's just, that's just kind of how everybody rolled. So what, there wasn't even a conversation worth having. Yet, um, for a number of reasons, I, I got a pretty good string of jobs coming out of college to the degree that I was making pretty good money as an employee, um, relatively young. And so I always wanted to start my own thing since I was probably 22, 23. Um, but I didn't do it um, until I was 30. Um, and it's because I was scared, right? I was like, well, you know, I've got, I've got this. And why would I risk this, hopefully to do that? And I just didn't have the guts to do it. And I would have made that leap sooner. And I don't know actually if I ever would have done it except for something that happened to me. I'll tell you a quick story. My, um, my best friend growing up uh, married my wife's sister. Mm. So my best friend became my brother-in-law, which I totally recommend if you can work on that. 
that's my that's my advice to all the listeners. If you can have your best friend be part of the family, it makes Thanksgiving dope uh, much better. Um, so it was great. Uh, it was it was it was like an episode of Friends come to life in a lot of ways. But when I was thirty and he was thirty, um, he called me and said, "Hey, I just got diagnosed with brain cancer." Mm. And the next day I walked in and quit and I haven't worked for anybody since. Wow. I, I needed that push to say, what am I scared of? Like, I've got a good job now. I could start my own thing. If it doesn't work out, I'll just go get another good job, right? It's, what, what's my actual downside here? Nothing compared to brain cancer. And so that changed my whole life uh, and, and sent me on the path that I'm on now. And so going back to my younger years and addressing your question, that's, that's what I would have done differently. I would have trusted my heart sooner. Yeah, it all worked out for me. Um, and you started like five businesses, right? At this point? Yeah, like something like that. Multi-million dollar businesses. That's amazing. Okay, I have another selfish interview question sure. for you. I can't help myself. So you, you obviously family of entrepreneurs, you've started five businesses. What's your advice to the entrepreneurs out there that are starting businesses? So one is, you know, take the jump sooner, but where is it that you see younger entrepreneurs failing that you could maybe give a couple tips? Um, there's a lot that I could say on that topic. I do a lot of angel investing and advising as well. So I, I'm involved in that world quite a bit. Um, but I think the biggest challenge, and I'm not just saying this because I do this for a living, the, the, the biggest challenge I see a lot of entrepreneurs having is that they've got a good idea and they've got a passion for the idea. And they maybe even have a good handle on, on sort of the customer pain that they're going to satiate with their idea. But most of the marketing plans I see and sort of the go-to-market strategies I see uh, are terrible, right? Um, it's, you know, okay, great, good idea. How is anybody going to know this exists? And it's interesting, uh, where I see it most acutely terrible is not actually even on the marketing side, but on the sales side, especially in the digital kind of startup world. There's this sort of belief that, man, you don't need sales. You just need to be good at marketing and, you know, everybody will buy and you don't have to call anybody. I'm like, bro, that's not true, right? Like, you know, there are examples where it is true, but generally speaking, you know, even the most successful software companies in the world have massive, massive, massive direct sales teams yep. that are making millions of contacts a year. Uh, and, and so we, I, I think young professionals overemphasize product underemphasize marketing and grossly underemphasize direct sales. Mm, so powerful guys. I can't tell you the audience who's listening to this. I mean, Josh and I know this because obviously we have a marketing company ourselves, but it is, yeah, people underestimate sales. They underestimate like that sales solves all pain. And especially this idea of inside sales and, and calling people, reaching out to people. I love that, man. That, as soon as the that pandemic helped. hit in my own marketing firm, we doubled the sales team. First thing we did, double the size of the sales team. That's awesome. <laughs> you got so to sell your way out of it at some level, right? You got to help. You got to be, you know, utility focused, as I said, but somebody has to distribute the utility, right? So 
you know, we're not out there pitching business. We're out there saying, hey, we've got some free resources for you. We yep. know it'll all come back around eventually, but somebody's got to do that, right? Like there, some, somebody has to be on the keyboard saying, we wrote an ebook, you're going to love it here. Yep. Uh, and, and so that's why the second things got crazy, doubled the size of the sales team and said, we're just going to help more people uh, and we'll keep doing that uh, you know, in, until everything turns back around. Amazing. That's awesome, Jay. Thank you so much for being here. Everybody, you can get Jay's books, Utility, Hug Your Haters, Talk Triggers. You can get them on Amazon. You get them at Jay's website too, jaybear.com, J-A-Y-B-A-E-R.com. Also, if you're in real estate or accounting, he wrote uh, specific books for uh, Utility for Real Estate Agents, Utility for Accountants. Uh, utility for Real Estate Agents, I listen to it on Audible. It's about a two-hour listen. And it's just story after story after story of examples that you can be using or getting inspiration from for your own business. So make sure to check that out. Where else can people connect with you, Jay? Uh, I would recommend that folks also think about going to convinceandconvert.com, which is the main site for our consulting firm. We have 3,500 articles for marketers and, uh, and business owners about all things digital, customer service, customer experience, social content, utility, talk triggers. Uh, yeah, we got, we got it all for you. That is awesome. We're going to include all of those uh, links in the show notes for this episode of staypaidpodcast.com. You can also see the video for this. You can see Jay's, Jay wears his branding, plaid. Every time I've seen you, you're in plaid. Pick plaid, baby. Pick plaid. Pick plaid. You can see the blinds behind me that Luke was making fun of before the podcast, <laughs> making fun of my blinds. Ironically, Luke's the one that picked out this office space that put these blinds. So we're going to have to get a nicer setup. Jay's got a nice background. Luke you need plaid blinds. Work okay. on that. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Uh, like I said, you can get the show notes and those links at statepaidpodcast.com. And if you're interested in supporting the show, there's two ways that we ask you to do that. The first one is to head on over to iTunes, rate us five stars and leave a comment. The other one is to share this with a friend, share it on your social media. If you know someone in your life that needs to hear this today, how can they start providing value and become the most helpful professional for their clients? Uh, make sure to share that with them. And if you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at remindermedia.com. You can also find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Yes, and I'm Luke Acree, and as you can tell, I mean, this is a podcast that is worth going back and listening to multiple times. There are so many golden nuggets throughout this podcast. I was thinking, you know, what's a tangible thing that I know that none of you listening to this can have any excuse not to do? And the thing I thought of was when he was talking about the redoing your FAQs and posting that on your social media. It's so tangible as a real estate agent, as an insurance agent, a financial advisor, that's something you can do. It'll take you maybe an hour to do if that. Do that this week. Remember that the difference between a top producer and a mediocre producer in every single industry that Josh and I have worked in is top producers take action. So take action on that today. 